Uh, so last Sunday, we finished up a series on the book of James. Uh, and then in three weeks, we're starting through what's going to probably be the longest series that we've ever done as a church. Uh, and it's going to be on the book of Genesis. Uh, and it's going to be a little slow early on, but we're going to hit some major themes of who God is and, and uh, what he's done in the world. Um, and then uh, the storyline really picks up as you get into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their sons. And so there's like, towards the end, we'll be doing in t- uh, two or three chapters at a time. But uh, we're going to take a while to walk through that. But in the meantime, I wanted to take some time to just uh, pray and ask the Lord, what do you want us to do for three weeks? And one of the things that God laid on my heart through, through prayer was, um, what, is, what are the markers of a people who are really walking with God, a people who are um, walking with God in this world and displaying God to the world? Uh, so today we're going to be talking about walking in the spirit, just as uh, Judy uh, just read, uh, what it means to walk in the spirit. That's a sign of the people of God, a people walking in the spirit. And then next week we'll talk about uh, a people who welcome others like Jesus, who welcome strangers, whether the, I'm not talking about necessarily in the building here, but like as people, we, we create lots of avenues to welcome people into our lives and to love them like Jesus. And then finally, our third week, which will be the first Sunday in September, is our 12th anniversary as a church. So we're going to celebrate that day by doing, uh, by focusing on Jesus's people as the light of the world, right? Um, And you can guess where that passage might come from. Today, we're going to be talking about walking with the spirit and the spirit can be a little bit confusing. And I realize I don't have time to unpack the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. If you're new to church or you don't know uh, what the Holy Spirit is, it sounds like a ghost, right? Uh, Sounds weird. The Holy Spirit is simply the third member of the Trinity of God. Um, And God is one essence, three distinct persons. And I know that you're like, okay, I got that. That makes complete sense. Um, Here's the thing. It's like, it actually makes complete sense if you understand that God is not, is not in the physical world that we live in. He is other dimensional, if you will. And so it's like a two-dimensional person trying to understand a three-dimensional person. Uh, actually, that's the exact analogy that the Bible Project uses at the beginning of their video on God. And so if you want to understand better like what that means, I encourage you to go watch that uh, video on YouTube, the um, Bible Project God. But what we want to talk about today is what does it mean to live in the spirit? What does it mean for you and I as Christians and and us as a church to actually walk in the spirit of God? Um, That what we see in the New Testament, what we see uh, in this, even in this passage, it is the spirit is paramount to the Christian life. It is uh, the utter lifeline to God. It is meant to be like breathing or eating or looking at your phone, which the average person does 344 times a day. So if you think about the spirit and you walk in the spirit intentionally 344 times a day, you're walking in the spirit, I can guess. Um, But the problem is that often we forget the spirit, right? We forget God. Yet, there's not a, if you look at the fruit of the spirit that we look at in this passage, there's not a person in, in this room today. In fact, there's not a person probably in the whole city who, who would honestly deep down admit or say that they don't want to be to have all of the thing, the fruit of the spirit. That they don't want to have more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, like those are things that are very basic to the desires that, that a human being has when they're clear-minded, right? Um, and yet, we don't walk in the Spirit. We aren't experiencing the things that we want 
And we are not doing that because we are not walking with him. Every day we are distracted. Um, we get focused. We, we think work. We think school. We think taking a shower or driving your car or going to, uh, riding on the T or going to the grocery store is, is somehow separate from what it means to walk in the spirit. And this is where we need to get our minds and our hearts around it today. I believe what we need is what Acts describes as a season of refreshing. I know I do, that I desire, and I think this is one of the themes that's come out of this month of prayer for me personally, is that I really want to experience a season of refreshing. I want the Holy Spirit to be more real in my life every day. I want to experience the fruit of the Spirit, him working and moving in my life in a powerful way. I think we as a church need it. How many of us would admit that? That I need it. Not, not me, but you would say, I need it. Right? If you were to describe your affection for God on a continuum, on a scale of one to ten, ten being a moment where your heart was so full of love and joy and peace and patience and all of that for God, you just felt the spirit in you and the joy was overflowing you, where would you be right now if that was a ten? And are you content to live there? Are you content to be a two or a four? Because I don't think that that's what the Christian life is meant to be. I don't think we can all live at a 10 all the time. I think we would, <laughs> it would be insane. That's called revival. When the, <laughs> when the Holy Spirit shows up and does an extraordinary work, not ordinary work, an extraordinary work. But I do believe that growth as a Christian means that continuum grows. Doesn't mean it doesn't ebb and flow sometimes, but that our, over a lifetime, our walk with the Spirit brings deeper joy, deeper love, deeper walk with God. And I want to, the, the, the central idea I want us to hear today is that everything God has for us is found by walking in the Spirit. There's, there's literally nothing outside of that. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, literally everything that you are supposed to do in this world as a Christian is meant to be the overflow of you walking in the Spirit. It's not you trying harder. It's not you doing, uh, being more disciplined of your own self. It is you being more in tune, more intimate, more relationally connected with the living Holy Spirit of God. That will overflow into justice in our city. That will overflow into love uh, for the unlovable. That will flow over into kindness for those who are not kind to you. That will overflow into peace in your life when, no, when you shouldn't have peace, right? When people would look in at you and go, you shouldn't have peace right now. You're facing this or that or the other. And like, why, are you, why do you have peace? And you can explain, it's the spirit. That's what, why I, want, I, I believe God wanted us to focus on this today. And it's important to draw the distinction that it is not simply you walk in the spirit or you're just a Christian, right? You just, no, you walk in the spirit or you walk in the flesh. There's no neutral ground. You realize that? Like this is what Paul, Paul is pushing, pushing us into understanding the, the two realities at work. That we, you and I are torn every day, and he uses war language here, right? To, dis to describe the clash between the flesh and the spirit. For the, listen to what he says. For the desires, verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. 
For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. In other words, like, to keep you from doing uh, the, 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 the deeds of the flesh or even the deeds of the spirit. They pull on you. This is a clash. You can read Romans 8 for more on this. But how does the spirit then change us to actually conform us, to draw us in that we would walk in the spirit and bear fruit? How does he do that? Well, he changes us, the, the first thing I want us to see is he changes us holistically, or he changes our whole lives. There's an important distinction between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit here. If, you, if you're an uh, English person, gram, grammarian, or, or you know, just really have an eye for detail, you may have noticed this. But look at what Paul says. He says, the works of the flesh are. And then he says, the fruit of the spirit is. One is plural and one is singular. Why? Because Paul is saying that you may have any or all of the works of the flesh. There are a million ways that we in this room can give in to the works of the flesh, but there is only one way the Spirit will bear, uh, there's only one fruit that the Spirit bears in our lives ultimately. So he's not going to say, like, God's not going to, the Spirit's not going to be like, well, okay, we're just going to focus on peace. That's it. She's going to have peace. He's going to have peace. That's it. We'll focus on kindness in a few years. No, it's all of these. This is a beautiful picture though, isn't it? Like, I mean, like you get all of them. You don't get a few. You don't get some. You get all of these things. There are a million ways to give in to the, to the uh, deeds of the flesh. As a matter of fact, if you read through these, you might think to yourself, well, I'm not too bad. I'm a pretty morally upright person. I, but that's the, that's the issue, isn't it? He, he kind of uh, lists all of these and, and sort of pushes us to, to understand that um, these things are at work in various ways in our lives and, and leaves it wide open for more. And he says this, this practice, this giving into the flesh, ultimately leads to hell. If you look at what he says at the end of, uh, of listing the deeds of the flesh, he says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that uh, you went out and you got drunk last night and now you're going to hell? No. But if you live like that, if you find yourself drunk continually, you find yourself going to drunkenness. I'm not making an excuse. The Bible actually says in Ephesians 5, don't get drunk but if you find yourself being drawn to that, and that's, that's a habit, that's a practice in your life, that should, pardon my language, but scare the hell out of you. Because in, in looking at this passage, there's no assurance of your salvation here. Because Paul says anyone who practices these things actually is revealing that the Spirit is not at work in them. They're not walking. Now, you might get into a period of practice and the Spirit will break you. He does that. But you can't live there. You can't follow that. The pro part of the problem for us here in walking with the Spirit and living out the Spirit is we, th we, think of, uh, we think of ourselves neutrally and now the Spirit's going to add these things. Or that the Spirit is simply going to just stop the bad things, right? It's going to stop me from being greedy and, and, and think that that's walking with the Spirit. But it's not. There's, there's a contrast here, right? Like there's not like, okay, now the Spirit's going to stop me from being greedy. That's not 
walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is gentleness and kindness, right? It's love. So there is, there's an antithetical uh, tension here. And unfortunately, the church, anywhere the church is, well, I would say, anywhere the church is established, and I would include places uh, like, like Africa and Asia and Latin America, uh, as well as on the West, in the West where it's on decline, we have a tendency to celebrate people who have the gifts of the Spirit, regardless of whether they have the fruit of the Spirit. You see, we will hold up someone who can teach and preach to a crowd, right? Or we'll hold up someone who's, who can lead in worship, just such a gifted musician, right? And su- such a gift to lead in worship or, or such a great community group leader or such a great servant in this way or that way. We will hold that person up and not look at their life and ask, do they have the fruit of the spirit, not just the gift of the spirit? Because let me tell you something. There are few things that will hurt the body of Christ more than someone who has a gift of the Spirit, an extraordinary gift even, but not the fruit of the Spirit that goes with it. And so you and I can do what we do without the Spirit. You can lead your community group, CG leaders. You can lead your CG without the Spirit. You can... Serve in Koa Kids. You can greet people on Sundays. You can do setup. You can uh, you can even be on the prayer team without the Spirit, because you can show up and you have the ability to mentally pray. But that's not the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And I'll tell you, this is just honesty for me. This is one of the scariest realities for me, is that I've been preaching for twenty five years, and I can actually get up here and do this without the spirit. Like I know how to write a sermon. It's a, it's a, there's a skill to it, right? There's a skill and an art to it. But what God has really convicted me of is, is not only the danger of me getting up here and doing this without the fruit of the spirit active in my life. It is, it is the, the, that I would end up doing this over and over and over again without the fruit of the Spirit active in my life, not doing it by the power of the Spirit. And isn't it interesting, if you, if you look at the verse again, at the beginning, he says, it says, uh, by the Spirit, those who walk by the Spirit, not just in. We use a lot of the Spirit, in the Spirit language, right? And that's in the New Testament, but this actually says by the Spirit. Why does he do that? Why does Paul say that? Because by points to the power, by points to how you're doing it. And he is saying you are meant to walk your life, live your life, serve Christ by the Spirit, not out of your own intelligence, not out of your own gifting, not out of your own skill. And so it's a scary thing to think we can operate that way as Christians and as a church. But Paul's calling us out here. Think about how Walking by the Spirit might change in your life if the fruit of the Spirit come out. What that, might that look like for you? To do what you do, what God has called you to do in your uh, family, in your uh, relationships, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, all of that by the Spirit and all of these fruit are pouring out of your life. 
So the Spirit changes holistically, which is exciting and good, right? It doesn't just change parts. But the Spirit, secondly, also changes us internally. God is not about behavior modification. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, is, are any of them about doing? What are, look at them. What are they? They are all internal realities, aren't they? He doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is going to church regularly, reading your Bible regularly, going to your community group regularly, going to prayer meetings regularly, and being nice to other people. There's none of that, right? They are internal realities. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things flow out of us. The, yes, they impact other people. <laughs> Surely, You've never met someone who's full of the fruit of the Spirit and it not spill over on you. But it is an internal reality. And we focus on the external. Even the works of the flesh, if you go back and look at the list, there are a few that are external. A few that are rather graphically external, if you will. (laughs) Um but they're all rooted in an internal desire, right? None of these things happen without an internal desire spilling over into an action. So he's calling these things. Some of them are internal, but many of them are external as well, but they're all rooted internally. The spirit doesn't want to just fix your behavior, right? That's living under the law. Give you an example. You could take this passage, I could preach this passage as you should be kind this week because one of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, so go and be kind this week. And you might think, you know what? That means I'm going to bring muffins to to the office on Tuesday morning. I'm going to be kind. And you can do that, and you can still be full of selfishness, greed, pride, anger, right? Right? And let's face it, we're not very good at faking the external when the internal doesn't match it. Go back to think about that moment as a Christian. You've experienced the deepest joy in Christ. In that moment, was it hard for you to love other people? Or was it as natural as breathing? And what if that's where we're meant to, to begin to draw on? We're meant to walk in that. You can't make laws that bear, people bear fruit. That's why Paul says in 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Saying the Spirit does not operate according to the law. Yes, it, it conforms to the law, but the law is not what shapes it. What shapes it is an internal change of desire. And this is the difference between religion and Christianity. You see, religion is about following the right rituals or rules And if you do these things, you check off this list, then God is like, good job. And I've seen people do this. I've seen, I've literally talked to people who said, you know, yep, went to to church, uh, did confession, did these things, good with God. Now I'm going to go live however I want to. And it's like, really? Like, I'm not even sure that's, does does that even sound fun? Does that even sound like a real life, like, done my little religious duty over here. And listen, we can turn Sunday into that. That's the danger of like what I said earlier. We can sort of see ourselves as more righteous when we walk out of here today. Instead of understanding this is an opportunity for the spirit to be at work in the corporate church. 
Gospel tells us we are more sinful than we know and yet more loved than we can imagine. You see, God doesn't accept us based on our moral performance. I'm not saying God doesn't care what you do. <laughs> That's a huge difference. God does care what you do. He's issued the law, right? But the law is meant to point to the fact you can't keep the law. It's meant to show us that we're on an eternal treadmill trying to beat the treadmill so that somehow we could uh, commend ourselves to God. And you'll never beat the treadmill. It's, it's made to run forever, and you're not. And so what we get invited into today is lay down all trying to, trying to do these things out of your own flesh, out of your own strength, out of your own ability to try to commend yourself to God. And like I have this week, admit that you're not really walking in the spirit like, like God wants you to. That you have been living according to the flesh. It might be beautiful flesh. I mean, you might be a very nice person on the outside. But we have all met very nice people who do not know Christ and internally might be full of greed, pride, hatred. Right? So I would challenge you, challenge you to understand what the Spirit wants to do in you internally and, and to remind you of something very important. You don't produce the fruit of the Spirit, but the Spirit does. So you got to get near the Spirit. Thirdly, the Spirit changes us slowly. So the good news is, this whole... I know, sorry. That's not really encouraging, is it? We all want it. Does anybody want the whole fruit of the Spirit today? Would just like, if I could like come down here, you know, give me a high five, you walk out the door with all the fruit of the Spirit. But I'd love that, man. That'd be awesome. And, and, this, and God will sometimes give us those little seasons of refreshing, and we did, he does it in an entire church. Uh, it's, it's, it's an awakening, right? Um, but what he does is slowly produce those things in us as we walk in the Spirit. This is, by the way, why an older saint, if you've met someone who's walked with the Lord faithfully their whole life, an 80-year-old saint, there's something beautiful about it. There's a depth, there's a, there's a character there that you just, and when you run into one, you know it. They are full of love. They are full of joy. They're full of peace. They are, they, listen, they've buried a lot of their friends and some of their family. And, uh, you know, I remember a 101-year-old lady in my last church and just, she had it. There was a joy. She wasn't torn up about the world. She was, she prayed, interceded a lot. But when you hung out with her, this was not a bitter old woman ready to die. This was a woman who had a love and a joy and a peace and a patience and a kindness and a gentleness and a faithfulness and self-control. That I, like, I think that only happens over time. That's why it's called a walk. Paul uses this common, the, the word walk is a common Pauline designation, but in wider usage in the Greek world at that time, it not only, and it's what Paul means, it not only means to walk in a general sense, but to walk around after someone or to walk in a particular direction. So he's not just saying walk in general, he's saying walk by the Spirit through life, work, family, degrees, children, relationships, community group, all of that. That's what the Spirit wants to do. That's why I look at verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, led by the Spirit. Verse 25, live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. 
I wonder how many of us routinely break this command. God's convicted me this week. Do you know it's a sin not to walk by the Spirit? We're literally commanded here to walk by the Spirit. And I realized like how complacent my own heart had become about that. Like it was okay for me to not walk according to the Spirit because I was still pretty morally a good guy, right? I'm a pastor. I'm paid to be good, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying what some people think. <laughs> but, but I'm like a pretty good moral guy, right? So I, I like lean into that and go, you know, it's kind of okay. I'm not walking by the Spirit. But that's not what Jesus Christ died on the cross for me to do. He's got a vitality. He's got a love and a joy and a peace for me. And there's more of it than I have right now. The beauty of it is you're not going to ever get to a point where you're like, got them all. Okay, what's next, God? You know, like it's a journey. There's a deeper joy than you've had. There's a deeper love than you've had. And I want to remind you of something that's rather staggering, but it's... The, the deeds of the flesh are, are listed here, very, and, and they're weighty. I hope you feel the weight of them. Idolatry covers all of your sins, by the way. Even if you're like, well, I'm clear on eight out of ten of these. It's, <laughs> idolatry is the root of most of your sins. And then Paul throws in things like these. <laughs> At the end, just in case, you're like, I'm okay. No, you're not. You're not. We could fill out this list. We could come up with some more items, right? And yet, that's not even the, the end of it. It's that we have the anti-fruit of the Spirit. It's not that you, it's not that simply that you're guilty of the, of the deeds of the flesh. It's that you also don't get the joy of the Spirit. You don't get the peace of the Spirit. You don't love like the Spirit. You don't uh, have the gentleness and kindness of the Spirit. You don't. You don't get it. So there is less love. Less joy, less kindness, less gentleness, less faithfulness, less self-control when you are walking in the flesh. What do you really want in your life? What are you ambitious for? This is something the Spirit laid on my heart as I was preparing this. What is it that you really... What are your hopes in your life right now? Like the things you're looking forward to that you're like, if I could do that, be that, achieve that, have that, experience that, then man, that's going to be it. Like that's the fullness. And I'm not against ambition. There's a godly ambition in scripture. But what I would suggest to you is the beautiful thing about the fruit of the spirit is that whatever you're doing, Wherever you are, wherever God has you, no matter how great your plans are in five years, you might not very well reach them because this is the world, right? And things don't always, it's called Murphy's Law. It's not in the Bible, but we know it's true. (laughs) Things will go wrong. Things will go bad. Whatever our plans and dreams are may not end up like we hope or dream. And so, but how amazing is it that whatever you're doing, the fruit of the Spirit are offered to you. That's about the kind of person you are. And let me suggest this. That is way more important than what you achieve in this lifetime. Because then wherever you are, you're walking by the Spirit. And the Spirit is moving in you and through you. 
No money can buy it. No experience can make these things come out of you. No degree will give you the information to be this kind of person. No dream job or position uh, makes a person like this. No spouse or child or friendship or mentor can bring the Spirit's fruit in your life. It is by the Spirit and by the Spirit alone that you experience these things. And think about the kind of life. Just, just back up for a moment from those dreams and those things you hope for and ask yourself this question. What kind of life does a person live who really walks by the Spirit? Is that not a life you want? Is that not what, what, I would argue this, whether you're a Christian or not, that's pretty deep down in our soul something we want. And we can only have it by the Spirit. So I'm going to give you some suggestions on ways you can walk with the Spirit, because I know I talked a lot about it today, but you're like, okay, what can I do? Like, okay, I'm going to walk by the Spirit. What does that look like practically? Let me, let me challenge you some ways this week you can put to work to help you. First, I want to challenge you to simplify your life. Simplify your life, even if you only do it for a week or, or two. Be intentional. Listen, life is crazy. I know that. Anybody's life not crazy? Anybody's life's just like, I just do whatever I want whenever I want? No, right? Everybody's got a crazy life. There's crazy work, crazy relationships. The weather's been crazy recently, right? Like, everything's crazy all the time. We're busy. That's what we do. That's, that's the illusion that we live under is, is busyness is fullness of life. It's not. You, you know that, right? You know that busyness is not fullness of life. And here's something I'm going to suggest that the Spirit suggested to me, so I thought I would share it with you. Let you feel some conviction too. Um, not everything is necessary that I am filling my life with. I'm going to get radical here. Netflix is not necessary. <laughs> we know that, right? And yet we as a culture are enamored with binging. Right? I like, anybody like binging? I like, I like binging shows. Okay, I am the only one in the room that likes binging shows. Be honest, you're all a bunch of liars. <laughs> I like, especially a really good new show and that friend told you, oh, you gotta watch the show and you sit down and watch two or three or 14 episodes at one time an entire season. Um, like, I enjoy that. But that's not necessary. And here's the thing about it. It can very easily slip out of a place of life of some healthy rest, some healthy entertainment into a, a space where it's keeping me from prayer, where it's keeping me from walking in the spirit. And I'll be honest with you. I'd never have walked away from binging an episode, a series, and like thought, man, I love God more. I'm just more satisfied with life right now, feel more full. Actually, psychologists talk about it. there's actually a feeling of disappointment when you stop binging. That last episode cuts off and you're kind of like, that's the end of the series? When's the next one coming out? You know, you start looking it up online. You, you've done it. When is season 11 of Stranger Things coming out? Uh, it, you, get that, you get that feeling. And I, and I want to challenge you this week. Turn off Netflix. Log out of it on your TV. Delete the app on your phone. Whatever you need to do. And spend through the end of this month Using that time in prayer. For you, some of it's not Netflix, it's social media, or it's a game, or it's sports. Let me challenge you. Just delete those things this week. I, I, will, I will personally apologize to you next Sunday from the stage 
if you come back to me and say my life was worse this week because of that. I bet, in fact, you will come to me and say, I had, a, I had more time with the Lord. I had time to talk to so-and-so. I had time to catch up on this. I had time to read, right? John Tyson's a pastor in New York City. He talks about a cycle that we go through uh, in his book, uh, in his message, Teach Us to Pray, Attention Leads to Adoration. He talks about distraction leads to distortion. So distraction, when we give ourselves to distraction, leads to a distorted view of reality. That's why we're sad at the end when we have to come back to reality. Leads to discouragement, which leads to disobedient, di- disobedience, which leads to disillusionment about life. So what do we do? Distract ourselves. And so it's a cycle that we go through over and over again. A quote he shared in this message by a guy named Ronald uh, Rollheiser. You have, to, you have to hear this. It's a little long, but like just staggering. Listen to what he said. Narcissism accounts for our headaches, pragmatism, our heartaches, pragmatism for our headaches and restlessness for our insomnia. And constancy of all three together account for the fact that we are so habitually self-absorbed by heartaches, headaches, and greed for experience that we rarely find the time and space to be in touch with the deeper movements inside of us and around us. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, depth, and spirit. We would like these. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are a major block today within our spiritual lives. How do you... How do you break that? You got to simplify. I'm, I'm turning off Netflix, so join me in that this week. Secondly, you got to be in community. This whole passage, by the way, the fruit of the Spirit and the way it talks about it, uh, is written to a community. The book of Galatians is a letter to the Galatian church. It's not to an individual. So yes, you walk in the Spirit and the Spirit produces those things, but the Spirit produces those things in us together, Right? You, I do not believe you can actually, I think in an exceptional case, if you're in prison by yourself, you can pursue the Lord and walk in the Spirit in a way that he produces the fruit of the Spirit in you, but you are not meant for that. You are meant to walk in the fruit of the Spirit with others. And so if you're not in a community group, I want to challenge you, sign up for one. Take your connection card out, write on the, check on the back, I want to be in a community group, I want to know more about community groups, and then write what community you live in, what, what town or neighborhood you live in around here. We'll help you find a community group. Um, I, and I want to challenge you right now. It, it's, it's like early registration for college. So right now, all the community groups have room. There's space. But in about three weeks, we're going to have dozens of new people. If the pass is any sign, dozens of new people that are going to show up, they're going to fill up some of the courses that you want to sign up for. So if you're not in a community group, now's the time. We will help you get into one. You can also go to the connection table. There should be someone there to help you at the end. Thirdly, I want to challenge you to serve one another. The fruit of the Spirit is something that spills over, doesn't it? Every one of the fruit of the Spirit impact how you will treat other people and I believe will naturally lead you, lead you to want to serve other people. And I want to give you two very practical steps related to this. One is we need about six or seven COA kids workers 
to actually open up our Coed Kids classroom for our for uh, zero to two year olds. Now, you may not like zero to two year olds, and you're like, that's not my game. I like the like ones that can talk, um, and that's okay. You don't have to. Uh, there are people serving in Coed Kids right now who are glad to shift over to the nursery. You're just going to offer, and listen, we're not going to ask you to teach. We're not going to ask you. You're, you're a person who can be in a classroom and keep an eye on them. You're like a glorified prison guard, right? You're like making sure no escapees, no one's hurting each other. Um, I mean, it's more than that. But what an opportunity to love these kids. Listen, I enjoy being in the service. It's great. And I totally get that. But what in you would actually say, I'm willing to give up one Sunday a month to go serve in Koa Kids? I believe that would be the spirit. Also, the big move. I, I started listing reasons to not help with the big move, and I came up with tons. Like, there are so many reasons to not take off work that day and to, to serve others. Man, you might be behind on a project. You may not be able to have enough, you don't have enough vacation days. Um, you could get, uh, you could be, have meetings that are super important on that day. You could have all kinds of other things that are important. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to burn one of my vacation days to go sweat. And if you're over 40, probably be sore, right? I'm going to go sweat. I'm going to go serve people. They're going to look at me weird. I don't like talking to strangers, right? But, but as Lisa said, it is, it is such a gloriously confusing thing when people, when they're like, well, we're not, sorry, we're not interested. And I'm like, no, it's free. They're like, why? <laughs> what? You're not raising money? Nope. Why are you out here? Well, we're just here to welcome people to the community. We know it's a tough day for everybody, right? And so I want to challenge you to sign up for the big move. It's on our website, events page. Here's the thing I would encourage you. Pray. Ask the Spirit, does he want you to do that? Because I think it's a way that we also begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is never seen in isolation. I believe it's actually seen in loving and serving others. Thirdly, uh, fourthly, you need to get in the Bible. The Spirit has a book, if you're not aware. The Bible actually says that God, the Spirit inspired this, this whole thing, even like the verses we read today. What if you just said, every day this week, I'm going to read this passage? I think the Spirit would use that in your life. And finally here, pray. Prayer. Confession. Repentance. God is not stingy with his spirit. He is not sitting here right now thinking, well, she better or he better because I'm, I'm not, I'm, mm -mm. she doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. Of course you don't. He knows you don't. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died that God could go come and live in you, in the spirit. And you can actually Repent today and experience the fullness of the Spirit in your life. I don't know if you're like me. I felt a spirit of complacency in my own heart. I want to rip that out. A.W. Tozer once said, Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that many of us for many of us, he waits so long, so very long in vain. I believe the Spirit's waiting today for you. And he is as, and he is as available as you are willing to repent and ask him. 
And here's the courageous thing as we move into our time of response. The courageous thing for you would be to ask the Spirit to come, convict you where you need conviction, and fill you. Would you pray that prayer? Repent where you need to? And say, I want the fruit of the Spirit this week. I long for this fruit of the Spirit this week. I want to go to work with the fruit of the Spirit because it's an awful place and all the opposite, the deeds of the flesh come out of me when I'm in that place and I need the fruit of the Spirit. He is available today. He is ready. Would you pray? I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes and just take a moment to reflect before we move into communion. Who do you really want to be? Do you want to be a person full of these things? Or continue in complacency? towards the things that you care about. I don't want to keep going through the motions at times. I want to know you. I want to experience life by the Spirit. I need it. We all need it. Would you come, Spirit? fill your people? Would you draw us to yourself and do the work in our hearts to bring the seasons of refreshing that we need? We can't produce these things. We acknowledge that. We can't love like Jesus. We can't have the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ. But Spirit, you can produce these things in us. We need to be a church marked by these things, God. The world is looking on and seeing a, seeing a people that just look nice and go to church. But we need to love like Jesus. We need to reflect Jesus to this world. Help us. In your name.